if you take action, you will become motivated. And and I think it I think it goes back a little bit further is until you have a little bit of belief in yourself, you're not going to start taking any action. You've got these little voices in your head that are telling you, oh, you can't do it. You're not good enough. You're an imposter. What makes you think you can do something when other people have failed? And I think at 30 years of age, getting that little kick in the pants by my mum. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Caged Vision podcast. I've got a very, very special guest today, Tyson Franklin, all the way from Australia. And we can tell that because we the struggle was real trying to coordinate this. Welcome, Tyson. It is so good to be here, Kerry. Thank you. And I love the name of the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I was, vision. It's, I was, it's pretty cool. I was um, just reading a book. I'm, I'm really an auditory learner. But I was actually reading this book, and in the book, it, it, was, it was describing an executive, and it said that their vision was caged. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's it. And I just put a little twist on that, because I, there's so many people that, and a, and a passion of mine is helping executives unpack that vision and really put yeah. it into a plan. And so, yeah, we launched it, and um, it's been fun, but thank you for... Um, for being a guest and for, uh, yeah, on complimenting the name. Yeah, well, as soon as I saw the name, I went, I because you, yeah, you see a lot of being in the podcast world myself. You see a lot of podcast names, and every now and then you'll see one that go year ago. I love that name, and as soon as I saw yours, I went, damn it, I love that one. That's a good uh, one. <laughs> you've got two podcasts of your own, right? Uh, yeah, one is it's no secret with Doctor T. And the other one is a very industry specific one called uh, the Podiatry Legends podcast. Yeah. Very which, good. Well, we're going to. Yeah, it's fun. Okay. Well, I want to, we're going to get into that a little bit. By the way, if you're listening, you, you don't have the benefit of seeing. We're on a Zoom call, and I can see in Tyson's uh, office is, are those nunchucks in the back? Oh, yeah, they are hanging up on the door. Yeah, oh. but they're, they're, um, they're only rubber ones. So, yeah, I can take them off and beat my well, children that, up with them whenever I feel like that it. Still makes you, you know, that still makes you, you, your cool factor went up because you have nunchucks yeah. hanging in your office. <laughs> yeah, they look tough, don't they? Yeah. They no, they, they sort of, we were in uh, Japan a couple of years ago and we picked them up there. And my daughter and I were in the shop uh, beating each other up with them and having oh, a laugh. Okay. And I said, I've got to take a pair of these home. These are yeah, fantastic. Why not? Oh, that's so, so good. Uh, so they hang up there. The funny part is in Queensland, where I, the state that I am in Australia, uh, they're illegal. Really? Yeah, yeah, you can't, you're not allowed to have them. But I think I can get away with them because they're, they're, not, re they're not really lethal. I could crack you over the head with it and you'd probably just laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> but they're still weighty enough that you can, you can actually use them. So, yeah, yeah they're fun. So, you, you know, that begs the question, um, why did they make it illegal? Was somebody walking around clubbing people with nunchucks? Yeah, I think it's because they class it as a lethal weapon. So Australia, yeah, it's like in Australia, they, our gun laws are really, really strict. Um, carrying a knife, any anything that's a, sort of a lethal weapon yeah. is really frowned upon, mm. and especially mm. in Queensland. Queensland is like very anti uh, that sort mm. of thing. Yeah, well, good. That's not a bad thing, right? That's why everyone wants to live here. Yeah, there you go. Okay, well, let's jump right into it. I like to do a sort of a rapid fire round with some quick questions. So here we go. Steak or fish? 
Ah, I love fish, but I don't think you can beat a really good mm. steak. I can't argue with that. Okay, beach or mountains? It's just finding one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, beach or mountains? Definitely beach. Oh, beach. Okay. East or West Coast? Now, you're in Australia, so, you know, you can answer stateside and give us, uh, give us okay. your uh, Australia. Australia, definitely East, because on the West, there's nothing there. Okay. Uh, it's all desert. Um, except, oh, there's one town, Perth, which is really nice. So, definitely East Coast. And in America, I would probably go East Coast as well. Ah, Okay. Um, more historical. I like. Yeah. I love the history. Oh yeah. I love the adventure and wildness of the West. Yes. But I love the history of the East. That's a very smart way to to look at it. Yeah. Great. Okay. So first question for you. I like to go in the way. I call it the way back machine. Let's go back in time a little bit. Tell me when the first when you first knew that you know we're using this is the Cage Division podcast and our yeah. goal is to help people who have a vision help them uh by sharing stories about how other people had a vision and turned it into reality so when when did you know that there was a vision for what you're doing now and and know that hey this is something that i i can't just have a popcorn idea and think about but i need to nurture it when when was that for you i, I don't know if there was one defining moment but I can recall even going way back as a 12 year old that I remember I, I very quickly identified people that had and people that did not have. Mm. Yeah. And like, we grew up middle-class family. Yeah. And, but I do recall seeing people who in my eyes back then were probably, I, I thought were wealthy, even though they weren't wealthy, they just were in more debt than my parents. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> but I remember my, I remember my, Mum saying to me when I was told, Tyson, what are you going to do when you grow up? Mm. I said, I'm going to be a millionaire. Mm. And my mum said, well, what makes you think you can be a millionaire if, um, if your, dad, your father and I aren't? And I said, because I'm smarter than you guys. <laughs> I love it. So my mum, as a 12-year-old, made me write down, by the time I'm 30 years of age, I'll be retired and a millionaire. So I wrote this down. Totally forgot I'd written it do down. You, do you write it down every day? No, no, I wrote it down then and I had to write it on a piece of paper and handed it to my mum. Oh, okay. Anyway, totally forgot about it. Now, life happens, gets in the way, things happen and all that. Where was I at 30? At 30, I was divorced and bankrupt. Oh, my gosh. So I'm feeling pretty depressed uh, Depressed by them. My, my father had passed away. Oh, so I go home, mum will make me feel better. So what's mum give me on my 30th birthday? She gives me that piece of paper. Oh, yeah. That was the turning point for me when i read that piece of paper i went wow what happened to me mm. what happened to that that 12 year old that had all these big visions and ambition and what i did was let just life and crap just get in the way of what i was doing and it was at that point i went you know what i'm i already know i'm a podiatrist i just need to start taking action on what it is that i'm that i want to do and start putting plans in place. So that it was probably my 30th birthday where I actually, the switch went off in my head when I went, look at all the things of, I just stopped repeating the same mistakes. And that's when things started getting better. I, I'm, I'm so glad you, you shared that story because I think that tw there's something about that 12 year old. I can relate to that 12 year old and I can relate to this, a similar conversation. 
there's something about the education process, the early work environment process, where you get lulled into, you just forget. Oh, definitely. Definitely you forget, forget. You forget the promise you made to yourself. And is it, what are your thoughts? Do you think it's a, um, you lose a little boldness because of the risk or that you, you, you start to sense more risk? I, I think, I don't think the school system is set up for people that are entrepreneurial. Couldn't yeah, you, I couldn't agree you, you try and do something that's a little bit different. And yeah, but this is how I felt when I went through school, especially high school and university. As I was going through, every time I did anything that made me stand out a little bit more, I was sort of slapped down for doing it. Yeah, or I was told I was wrong. Or a perfect example would be yeah, my English teacher. And, and so I failed English all the way through school because they would say, What's your, yeah, the author wrote this book, what was your interpretation? I'd tell them what my interpretation was and I'd hand it in and I'd get like a C. I go, why do you get a C? Oh, that's not what the author meant. I said, do you know the author? Have you spoken to him personally? And say, is this exactly what I said? This is your interpretation. So yeah, why so wasn't the question? My interpretation is not the same as yours. Yeah. I said, well, why wasn't the question? What do you think my interpretation of what the author was interpreting meant? I said, then I would have, I would have written probably what you, what you wanted, but right. that's not what you asked me. So anytime I, I challenged stupidity, <laughs> I got myself in trouble and I think it was that constant being just put back in your box sort of um sort of ruined my creativity a little bit oh gosh I'm so glad you said that because I am I say that um I've said that often I really feel strongly about that that people want to fit you into a box that makes them feel comfortable yeah and it's, it's not, it's not for you. It's, it's for their benefit. And as soon as you get out of that box, they try desperately to put you back in because it makes them feel uncomfortable. Now, what you could be doing is you're challenging things that they didn't feel comfortable challenging themselves, or it could be a myriad of other reasons, but I see that over and over again. Yeah. It's funny. My brother said, yeah, I've written two books. My brother said, make sure you send a copy to your English teacher. <laughs> <laughs> i never did but uh it, it did you know when the first book was published i sort of went you know what i feel so good that i've done that because all those times that I, that I failed english i went you know it didn't matter in the long run it didn't matter yeah okay i love that okay so let me get you've 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 at 30 you said it's sort of a bit of an awakening. Okay. What do, what do you think it's set? What is, what is it that separates those business leaders that have that moment where they either never had it and, and now see it or see it once again, that vision, what, what do you think separates those that actually take it and turn it into something from those that don't see it through? I, I think there's a couple of little things. One taking action always helps. Some people say, oh, well, yeah, when I, I can't take any action because I'm not motivated. But what they don't realize is if you take action, you will become motivated. And, and I think it, I think it goes back a little bit further is until you have a little bit of belief in yourself, you're not going to start taking any action. You've got these little voices in your head that are telling you, oh, you can't do it. You're not good enough. You're an imposter. What makes you think you can do something when other people have failed? And I think at 30 years of age, getting that little kick in the pants by my mum, I wish I had kept that letter. I threw it away in anger on the day she gave it to me. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was why? angry. When she, why? 
because I was so upset that I had let that 12 year old down. Oh, okay. That I thought, well, I've just wasted 18 years of my life for whatever reason. But I think the other part is it's the taking action, having belief in yourself, but it's also just finding something that inspires you or finding someone that makes you feel good about yourself, whether it's through listening to podcasts that if if that makes you feel better or hanging around positive people is a, what, what was happening when I was 30 at the same time that happened, I also met my current wife. And she was the, and what was funny, see, I, I grew up in a, I, I jokingly say that the, I grew up at one of the roughest schools in Queensland. And I always joke saying that it wasn't too bad. I had one of the best football teams in the state and one of the highest teenage pregnancy rates. So if you're a bloke, it was a really, really good school. And, but there was some, yeah, there was some truth. There was, well, there was a lot of truth to it. So when I went through university, we used to have a study group that went around to each other's houses. We got this particular lady's house, a girl in our class. When we went to go to their house, she came up and we said, oh, sorry, but you, you can't come over. Mm. I said, uh, why is that? She said, oh, my mum doesn't want anyone that from your side of the town in her house. Uh-huh. I went, you're, you're kidding me. And so anyway, all the way through university, I, I think that's where I really lost my confidence mm. when... Yeah, I went to a state school. A lot of people at university at the time went to private schools and I was constantly told that I wasn't good enough. So I think I dragged that into my career and I had this anger built up in me that um, I didn't think I was was good enough. So I I made sure that I wasn't good enough by making all the bad choices. First wife, those sort of things. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, but when I met my second wife, all of a sudden she said, oh, we were talking about something and I mentioned where I went to school. She went, oh yeah. And I went, seriously, you're not going to give me crap about where I went to school and tell me how bad it was. And, and, uh, you know, do I carry a knife all the time? And have I, have I been arrested? You're not going to ask me those sort of questions. And what it was, I'd moved from, uh, Brisbane Gold Coast sort of area to North Queensland, which is about, you know, 1500 miles North. This is where I met my second wife never heard of a school I'd been to before. So all of a sudden didn't treat me any differently. Everybody up in this town did not treat me any differently. And then she just, my wife said a couple of things to me that just got me inspired that all of a sudden I started getting belief in myself. And as soon as I started getting that belief in myself, things started to improve. And as things started to improve, then I went along to this one weekend workshop it was a, a business workshop and I came out of there bouncing off the walls. Didn't realize, wow, you can actually go to events and learn things. <laughs> that yeah. was, that was a huge eye opener for me. And my business at the time went from wherever it was to pretty much doubled and tripled in the next uh, you know, six months. Oh, that, is, you know, I wrote a, I wrote a post on LinkedIn I think it was uh, yesterday, the day before, but the biggest, the best gift you can ever give to yourself is the decision to start investing in yourself. Oh, definitely. And that decision that you made, and it's funny because my mindset was not, I mean, I wasn't, I wouldn't say that I was as low, but I wasn't really investing myself in myself. And there, I, I know the moment when I started. And the funny part is I tell this story that when when I figured out I was an auditory learner, 
that's when I became, it really ignited me. But even at that point, Audible, you know, $24, $24.95 a month, I was probably spending more money on Friday night on beer before 7 p.m. <laughs> than that. And, and, and I was thinking, oh, that's a lot of money. That, that sort of mindset shift is a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. You, you hear people will spend $10,000 on a holiday with their family, but then you could say to them, oh, it'll cost you $1,000, $2,000 to do uh, business coaching, for example, for your business. And it's tax deductible. Your holiday's not. <laughs> and they go, oh, geez, I couldn't spend that amount on business coaching. That seems like a waste of time. But and it's the same thing, like you said, to go and buy an, an audio book, yeah, for yeah. twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah. But you'll drop two hundred dollars at a restaurant and not think about it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's um, we're weird creatures. That's what we are. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, <laughs> once you once you sort of um, started after that that conference, how did you then build on that idea? How did you build it into what it is today? Uh I took action. I went along to that conference and even deciding to go to that conference, you know, this is probably going back 20 years ago. It was $500, I think, to go to it. And I'm going, $500? Yeah. My God. Which today's terms would be, you know, almost like, say, $1,500. I'm thinking, oh. So I went to it and, and I sort of made a decision before I went, if I go to this thing and I learn something, well, I think there was a guarantee. It said if I didn't, if I didn't learn anything, uh, they'd give me my money back. I went, okay, so this is, a, I can't lose by going. Right. And I made a decision before I went, when I go, whatever it is I learned, I'm going to actually apply what I learned for a change. Hmm. Instead of just taking your knowledge and then sitting on it and doing nothing. So pretty much as soon as I walked out of there, I took action straight away. I'd, I'd written down a list of things that I'd, oh my, I've, I've still got the notes up on my shelf here from that particular uh, workshop and I pull it out every now and then at least once a year and read through it. Ah, such and, a good exercise. And I just took action. They said, do this, this, and this. And I took action. And, and then when I took action, things happened and I went, wow, that inspired me to take more action. And then I go back and read my notes again and go, oh, I'm going to try this one now. And it just, just kept building from there. So I think the biggest thing is if you're going to an event if you're listening to a podcast, you're buying an audio book, make yourself a promise that when you finish that audio book or leave that summit, you're going to at least take action on one thing and see it through to the end. Don't just do a little bit and then stop. Just start it and finish it. Yeah, don't stop. And see what happens. Yeah, very good. Okay, so once you started to see a little momentum, uh, some, some people it takes time until they find that, yes, this is the right market this is the right thing. I've sort of fine tuned it enough that now I'm ready to accelerate, to put gas on it. When, how, did, how was that moment for you? It was pretty much going back to that seminar. He, the guy running it said to us, write down your goal for the next financial year. How much money you would like to make next financial year. So we all sat there and we all wrote it down. Okay. Say for example, it was a hundred thousand dollars. He goes, okay, that's good. Yep. Who, who thinks that's achievable? Yeah. So said, so write down the things that you need to do this year to make sure that you hit that goal. So oh, we write down a list of things. Man. Yep. This is great. Then he said, okay, now what I want you to do, 
is at a zero on the end. That's your new goal. And everyone in the room went, oh. And he said, okay, well, instead of whinging and playing, say we had your, your whole family, everyone you cared about, and they were all in a room, and there was a gunman there. And he had a gun on him. And he said, if you do not achieve that goal, we are going to take out everybody that you care about. Mm. He said, I know it sounds harsh, but just picture that in your mind. Can you think of a few more ideas that will take you, that you wrote down, that will take you from where you are to that new goal? And everyone went, oh, well, well, yeah, I suppose if I really had to, I'd do this, 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 and this. He said, okay, those new ideas that you wrote down, they're the ones that you work on first because they're the ones that are really going to sort of push you. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So it was, it was just that, it was that switch that here I am now, this is what I want to achieve. And these are the steps I need to do to get there. But I put a limit on previously, I'd put a limit on the goals that I was setting. And all of a sudden I went, hang on, take the lid off, make the goal so much higher. Yeah. Therefore, you have to come up with new ideas to push yourself towards that goal. Now, was I going to make a million dollars that following year? It was probably unlikely, but I was going to have a better shot at doing it by adding in those extra tasks or activities I had to do that I hadn't thought about when I'd put that little lid on myself saying, oh, I'm only going to make 100000 Do you remember what those three were for you? Um, no, not really. Yeah. Not off. Yeah. I'd, I'd have them written down in that folder because it's well, probably because you now you're in that rhythm where I've probably already done them. You've done them and you, you, you're, you've challenged yourself even more each, each time, right? You, you're in that. Yeah, rhythm. It, it might've been, it might've been something about, you know, uh, yeah. Next year, make sure you go out and visit, you know, 20 health professionals. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to get more referrals to your business. I probably wrote down instead 20, go and see 200. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just taking what I said I'd do. And well, if I can see 20 and I was going to make a hundred grand and times up by 10, it's a million. Well, if I was going to see 20, now I need to see 200. So it was, it was probably, it was just taking everything to that next level. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I want people to make sure that they hear uh, when you say go out and see 20, you, when it's 20, you constrain yourself with, I need to physically go to their office. When it becomes 200 or 2000, it, it's no longer, uh, you no longer limit yourself with a physical constraint. You say, what's the point of going to visit them? It's to build a relationship and is yeah. to build that. So, so how can I achieve that? And that's what you're talking about. You, you, you sort of uh, unlock th those constraints that you force yourself and you say, how do I build a relationship with 2000 people in 12 months? Man, this is going to take some creativity. But maybe it's a podcast, or maybe it's a webinar, or maybe it's a newsletter, or some sort of content related. Yeah, I remember what we did. Instead of going out and doing one on one visits, which is what I normally did, to see that many more people, what we started doing was holding information nights in our business. There you go. And we were, we were inviting groups of practices that we knew got on and we'd bring them in, not people that were opposing practices because we didn't sure. want, yeah, didn't, didn't have to bring out the nunchucks and separate them <laughs> yeah. uh, on the evening. <laughs> so we did that. We did more in-house stuff and invited people into our practice so they could actually see what it is that we did. So good. And, but it was the same thing. It was building that relationship and you're not going to build a relationship on one visit. No. And that's a big mistake. A lot of people make. they set up a business, they want to get out there and they tell everyone what they want to do. And they tell them once and they think I need to tell them once they should have already worked out how cool I am. Sometimes 
they might say that you're great and they might refer one person to you, but out of habit, they'll go back to who they used to refer to because that's people are creatures of habit. And you, your goal is you got to build that relationship, but also break their habits. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about your vision for your business for the next 10 years. Okay. Well, my, my business has completely changed. So okay. over the last say 30 years of, open soul relocated like more than 20 podiatry businesses so and what i enjoyed like i enjoyed being a podiatrist but i really enjoyed setting up businesses that was the fun ah, part yeah. really really enjoyed it about uh, almost three years ago now uh someone from the shark tank was going around buying up podiatry clinics so i had a, a breakfast meeting with them and uh yeah they they paid me some really good money to to leave so about three years ago, I sold my last podiatry business. And since then, I've now moved into like coaching. Yeah. Yeah. And doing presentations, talks, podcasting. Yeah. So now I do coaching for podiatrists. And it's taken me, it's funny that I'm on this podcast now. It's taken me almost three years to figure out exactly who I like to coach. Yeah. I've done coaching for people who've had multiple practices, but you know, people have got one practice, but have got 10 podiatrists working in there. And I figure out the podiatrists that I love coaching the most are the solo practitioners mm. who have had a business for a certain period of time. So they've got all the groundwork in there, but they just know that they could be achieving so much more. And I really love helping that particular person go from where they are to getting them to that point where they can employ other people or if they want to have a, another practice. So, but it's taken me almost three years to get there. So where I see myself in the next 10 years is doing a lot more training in that particular area, but running a lot, a lot more like marketing workshops. Oh, uh, so I, just, I love talking about marketing. Yeah. I love, I love teaching. I love standing up in front of people talking. Um, and, and that's a, just a better way that I can connect with more people. Oh, very good. And speaking of connecting with more people, how do people, get in touch with you easiest way is to go to my website and it's just tysonfranklin.com really simple and if you happen to if you want to stalk me on facebook it's uh tyson e franklin i'm not scared of social media i know some people go oh no i don't want to be on i don't want to be on facebook because you know someone might find me there i'm really not that important <laughs> that um <laughs> that, yeah. that, that i worry that somebody is going to look at my personal life yeah, uh, on Facebook, I sort of think if I'm prepared to share it, I'm prepared for the world to see it. So exactly, I'm not really, exactly. And LinkedIn, any time you want to find me, all you do is go to Tyson E. Franklin, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, it's all the same. So good, so good. Okay, I've got one last question for you, and that is, if you could give one piece of advice to your 20 year old self, what would it be? Other than not marrying my first wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, like, oh, I love it. I love it. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a mistake. Uh, but yeah, had two children from that marriage and yeah, wouldn't trade them in. So there's always some good that comes out of uh, <laughs> everything that. Yeah, but, you, but you were, you were, I guess if you were in between that 12 year old self and that 30 year old self, so you were sort of, you were right in the midst of it. Well, what's really funny is, you know, when I said when I was at university and I had all these people that were telling me that I was, you know, I came from a bad area and of, yeah, they wouldn't associate with me. Even at that time, my, my first wife 
little bit, yeah, boyfriend, girlfriend, we'd broken up a couple of times. And I'm thinking, I'm just going to go and find someone new. But every time I searched, or every time I met somebody, I was reminded of the school I went to and how evil and bad I was. Mm. But my girlfriend at the time accepted me with open arms. Mm. And I think that's how we ended up together and how we got married. Because it was just, it was, I don't know, it, uh, it was convenient. So yeah. it didn't make me right. Yeah. And, and in hindsight, yeah, it didn't end well, but that's life. Yeah. But if I could go back and you know, talk to my earlier self, I would probably just tell myself, do whatever makes you happy. Don't, don't focus on the money. Just do what makes you happy. So if being a podiatrist is making me happy as a 20-year-old, as a I would have been studying. In. But I would be telling us that if podiatry is not making you happy, go and do something else. But just do whatever makes you happy, but you've still got to make a living. So don't be a bum. Don't, you, know, you can sit on a beach uh, drinking Coronas. Yeah, that'll make you happy, but you've got to still be making an income. Yeah. Don't focus on, I must make a lot of money. Because if you, you focus on that, you, you forget the happiness factor. Hmm. So that's what I'd tell my earlier self. Just do what makes you happy. Make sure you're making income, but the money will flow with it. The money yeah. will really, the money will follow your excitement and enjoyment out of what you're doing. It follows your happiness, right? Because you, yeah, definitely. People sense that, right? Well, every person I talk to who's been in business for a long period of time, that we all say the same thing. Don't focus on the money. Everyone goes, well, it's easy to say when you've made really good money and you go, no, it was only when we stopped focusing on the money that we actually made good money. Yes. Yes. Oh gosh. And it sounds like a contradiction and it's, it's easy for us to sit back and everyone's going, Oh yeah, but that's easy for you to say. Yeah. But yeah. It's because we know it's true. It is. It is so good. Tyson, thank you so much for being on the cage vision podcast each week. We come here and we try to deliver two things, encouragement and a little bit of confidence to help those business owners uh, unlock that cage vision. So thank you for your stories and your tips and your advice. I can't wait for our listeners to hear it. And I can't wait to get you on It's No Secret with Dr. T. I think we, I'm going to come up with some really good questions for you. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. All right. We'll see that soon.